welcome everybody here to our online service on this Wednesday evening. So glad that you've taken the time to join us. And we're expecting God to move in your homes, in your houses, as He's moving here with us this evening. We're going to, as we have been doing, we're going to start off the service with a time of prayer. So if you're with your family, why don't you grab hands? If you're with somebody, if you're not, why don't you lift your hands and let's join together and ask that God move in your house, move in your home, and move here in this place. And let's do it together. Lord, we come before you we know that you are the God all seeing, all knowing, and all not present. I'm asking you right now to move in every house and every home and allow your presence to be manifest there right now. Lord God, as you sweep into this house the same as you will sweep into their houses tonight, God. And minister unto each and every individual that is joining us online tonight. Let your spirit move in their lives, move in their hearts, God. A fresh and new, fresh anointing, fresh presence of God. Peace of God, what's around? 
Protect me and share 
house of praise you can fill in your living room right now. As we entertain his presence, he begins to draw closer to us. Uh, I'm so thankful for the opportunity of Pastor Alani to be able to preach tonight on this Wednesday evening. I'm thankful for Brother Darren, Brother Devin, and uh, Brother Darrell, and all my actual brothers. So I appreciate them and uh, them setting the atmosphere for the service tonight. I believe God wants to speak to us. Without further ado, the title of my message tonight is titled From Monument to Movement. From Monument to Movement. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard about all the monuments that are being torn down in Portland and all across the nation, even across the world. Monuments are being defaced and destroyed. Um, but I want to talk about from monument to movement. Monument, the meaning of the word, is a statue, a building, or other structure erupted, erected to commemorate a famous or notable person or event. Movement means an act of changing physical location or position. There have been many monuments erected for people that have started movements, such as Mount Rushmore, Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Monument. From Martin Luther King's, from Martin Luther King Jr.'s quote, I have a dream, to Martin Luther's 95 pieces, men and women have devoted their lives to causes that changed the world and created a following. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, God created a movement. It says this, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then he began to create. From the beginning, we know that our God is not a God who sits by idle like a monument, but he is a God who is mobile. He created you and I from the dust of the earth and breathed life into us, and we became a living soul. Lucifer, from the beginning, had an agenda to make a monument out of this movement. Lucifer wanted to get the praise. He wanted to get the recognition. He wanted to be center stage. He wanted all the lights on him, so he rebelled against God. Because of his rebellion, God kicked him out of heaven. Ever since then, Satan's mission has been to make a monument out of God's Genesis chapter 1, begin, Genesis chapter 11, beginning at verse number 1, says this, And the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, 
Let us go down and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. The Bible says that all the, that the people were of one language and were of one agenda. To build a tower that would reach to heaven, and they said, let's put our name on this tower. They wanted to build a platform for their own name. They wanted to get the recognition and praise. As they began to build this tower, God saw what was happening and decided to put an end to this movement. He divided their language. He put disunity in the middle of their agenda. I am convinced that God can stop any movement and any agenda he wants to. No matter how seemingly powerful it may be, God is in control of every movement that is happening today. My God is a movement stopper and monument destroyer. He stopped the movement at the Tower of Babel and just asked the God of the Philistines, Dagon, if our God is not a monument destroyer. God is in control. I don't care what's happening with the riots or the protests or any government regulations. I've come to tell you on this Wednesday night in August of 2020, God is in control. He's still in control. He was in control yesterday. He's in control today. And he will be in control tomorrow. There is nothing that he does not see. There is nothing that escapes his eye. He is seeing everything that's happening in Portland, Oregon. And he is in control of every agenda and every movement. My God is in control. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were of men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly, there shined right round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Saul of Tarsus was the persecuted, persecutor of the church. He was the one who held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen. His agenda was taking Christians out of their homes and killing them. But Saul had a perspective change. He was knocked down and had an encounter with Jesus that forever changed his life. Saul, this great force propelling 
the persecution of the church is now on his knees saying, Lord, what will you have me to do? I am persuaded that there is no government official that cannot be touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no person that cannot be completely changed by one encounter with Jesus Christ. All it takes is one meeting with the master and your life can be forever transformed and changed because you come in contact with the king of glory. I am persuaded that your family members, if they could just have one encounter with Jesus, their lives would be forever changed. If they could feel his presence, their lives would be forever transformed. All it takes is one meeting with the master. We are a movement. The church isn't this beautiful building that we are in. The church isn't concrete or wood. We are the church. His spirit living in us has made us a part of this wonderful movement. Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. This whole movement is generated by God's spirit. It's living inside of us, motivating us to be a part of the greatest movement the world has ever seen. It's greater than anything that's man-made. This was birthed by God's spirit living inside of us. We can feel that spirit living in us. You can feel that spirit moving inside of your room right now. God wants to make you a part of the greatest movement the world has ever seen and known. This church is driven by His Spirit. Saul's name was changed to Paul, and he bought into this grand movement. When you have an encounter with Jesus for yourself, people start calling you different names. Abram had his name changed to Abraham. Jacob had his name changed to Israel. When you encounter God's presence, everything changes about you. Your co-workers will see a change in the way that you talk, in the way that you act, in the way that you treat other people, in your attitude, and what you do throughout your day. When you truly have an encounter with Jesus Christ, everybody will know that something is different about you, but it starts with you making the decision, God, I have to have a change for myself. I don't want to live like I've always lived. I want to buy into this movement. I want to buy into this movement. I want your spirit living inside of this vessel. I need to be a part of this movement. Mark chapter 10 and beginning verse number 17, it says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing, 
thou lackest. Go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. This rich young ruler had obeyed the commandments or monuments, but couldn't obey Jesus or the movement. He had done everything he was supposed to. He only lacked one thing, to sell out to this movement. To sell out meant he would have to give up his titles. He could no longer be called rich without any money. He could no longer be called a ruler if he had nothing to rule. What are you holding back that Jesus is asking from you? What are you holding on to that is crippling you from being a part of the greatest movement the world has ever seen? What are you valuing more than God's presence in your life and living inside of you? The question beckons each and every one of us to evaluate. What is holding us back from buying into this movement? Right. Judas was consumed with a desire for money, and he sold out Jesus rather than selling out to Jesus. John chapter 19, verse number 30 says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The day had come where Satan had finally finished this movement. He was successful in making this movement just another monument. A body with nail-scarred hands and feet lay in a monument erected to commemorate the end of a movement. But Jesus can't help but destroy monuments and mess up the enemy's agenda. Three days later, the stone is rolled away, and the movement that the enemy has supposedly boxed up was now released for the entire world to encounter. Now Jesus had to really mess up the enemy's agenda. Acts chapter 2, verse, beginning in verse number 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under the heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Verse number 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission 
of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you. This movement is continuing. It's not defeated and it's not at a dead end. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. His spirit is moving right now into every house. I believe in the name of Jesus. There is no walls that can stop it. There is no regulations that can silence it. There is no walls that can prohibit it. Nothing can stop this movement. This movement is motivated by the Spirit of God and there is no boundaries that you can place on God's Spirit. We are a part of the greatest movement the world has ever seen. God's Spirit living inside of these earthen vessels. God deciding to have relationship with us, not because we're somebody special, but because He loved us and gave Himself for us that we could have eternal life in Him. Haman had an agenda to defeat God's people. He built a platform and created a strategic plan to put an end to this movement. Once Haman heard that someone was to be praised, his first thought was of himself. He wanted to get recognition and praise for himself. The same platform that Haman built to destroy God's people was the same platform that God used to take him out. What the enemy needs for evil, God can turn it around for good. It is no coincidence that the government has ordered the shutdown of our churches. I believe that the enemy recognizes that we are about to have the greatest movement the world has ever seen. It is doing everything that it can to put an end to this movement, but it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by His Spirit, and there's no regulations, there's no wall, there's no laws, and there's no walls that you can restrain this movement, because what God is in, man cannot defeat. We are a part of this movement, and we are a church that is about to witness the greatest revival the world has ever seen and witnessed, and we get to be a part of that. It was Samson who decided to give up the secret of his strength. It's amazing to me that so many times Delilah came to Samson and inquired of him where his strength lied. Finally, Samson gave up the secret. You see, the greatest weakness of Samson was Samson himself. The greatest weakness of the church is the church itself. Ophio cordyceps unilateralis. I didn't just speak in tongues. But it is a fungus that primarily feeds off of the colonies of ants. What this fungus does is it draws an ant away from the colony, from the pack, and it isolates this ant. And it begins to feed upon this ant. And after it is insected the ant, it takes it back to the colony of the ants and begins to insect one after another until eventually the colony 
is destroyed. My only warning for the palace of praise and for anybody that's listening to this message tonight is that don't allow the enemy to put you in a place where you start questioning your beliefs, where you start questioning the word of God and whether this is really worth it or not because this is the greatest movement that you can be a part of. There's nothing that's greater. There's nothing that will bring you so much joy and happiness than being a part of this movement of the church. Don't substitute this movement for something that is temporal. I want to take you on a journey real quickly. I'm hurrying to a close. The Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, California lasted from 1906 to 1915. This was a movement that was birthed and is now just a monument for tourists to visit. I researched and found that there was four distinct reasons that caused the end of the Azusa Street Revival. Number one was the losing of the mellowness. You see, there was a lady by the name of Florence Crawford who was in charge of sending out the newsletters throughout the community of service times and events. One night she left abruptly without notice and took the extensive roster of subscribers with her. As a direct result, the vast crowds stopped coming to the services. With absolutely no media to broadcast the testimonies or provide information about the ongoing meetings, many were convinced that the revival had simply ended. Without new visitors, the subsequent meetings began to lose much of the impact and urgency that they once had. The fact of the matter is, each one of us have our own addresses of people we know. We each have people that we can reach that no one else can. You have in your possession addresses of people that I will never have. You alone have the influence to impact people that I will never see. It is up to you and I not to lose the mailing list. It is the mission, it is the great commission of the church to go into every street, into every corner, to knock on every door, and to be the church, to be the movement that goes, not just to make this place a place where we just have church, but to go out into the highways, to the byways, and to tell everyone that we listen to come and meet a man by the name of Jesus. Number two, independent people. Disagreements began to break out. One of the issues was, should the preacher wear a necktie? It was issues that were not worth dying over that began to tear away at this revival. Number three, competing churches. There was local churches in the area that felt they could do a better job than William Seymour at running the revival. There's always somebody that thinks they can do a better job than the pastor. Whenever we start to get a competitive attitude of our local churches, we are on the fast track to becoming just another monument. If our local churches are having revival, then we need to rejoice because the same God that is opening doors in their community is the same God who can do it in 
this city, in this community, in your house, and in your home. Right. Number four is doctrinal wars. Coming from a Wesleyan holiness background, Pastor William Seymour believed that sanctification or a moral cleansing was a second instantaneous work of grace. William Durham, on the other hand, taught that sanctification was more of a gradual process. While Seymour was the way Durham preached his understanding, titled, The Finished Work of Christ, when Seymour returned, Seymour felt compelled to lock Durham out of the church building. Wonder how many times pastors felt to do the same to some of us. All four of these issues and conflicts happen within the church, not without the church, within the church. There was no government regulation that prohibited them from having revival. The greatest enemy of the church, I believe, is the church itself. This pandemic has caused us to not come to the church building. It has forced us outside of the doors of the church building. Maybe it's time we start thinking outside of the box. Maybe the revival God wants to birth in this city starts right in your living room. Maybe God wants to take us from a monument to a movement. Maybe the greatest altar calls are to be experienced in your living room with your family. But maybe with your co-worker in your living room crying out to God. It's time we take the church outside the walls and activate this movement into our jobs, into our homes, and into our community that we can see this movement grow and move forward in God. I don't want the Palace of Praise to be a tourist attraction. I want to see the greatest movement that God has in store for the Palace of Praise and for this city of Portland. I want to share with you some encouraging things that I've heard recently. It was from Elisa Pardot. She shared a story of an older man who was close to dying, the place that she works. She takes care of elderly people. She had grabbed her Bible and taken it to work one night. So she decided to sit with him and read Acts 2.38. He could not talk. But as she began to speak to him on how Jesus loves him and how he died for his sins, tears began to fill his eyes, even though he couldn't say a word. Recently, Darrell had invited our co-worker to the Palace of Praise. The next day at work, our co-worker was telling other co-workers how exciting it was and was asking about speaking in tongues because he was amazed. He thought we were speaking Spanish. We told him to give him a Bible study. But people are hungry for what we have. Sister Tremo, she mentioned to me that she recently invited three people to watch our services online. We can still reach people even in our homes. The Bible talks about the gloom and the doom that is happening in these last days, but there is a verse that erases every fear and doubt in my mind. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit 
upon all flesh. Sure, it's going to be bad, but God is fixing to do something amazing in these last days. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Where sin abounds, His grace does much more abound. I believe that the church is destined for the greatest outpouring that the world has ever seen. And I believe God wants it to start in your home, even tonight with your family. I believe God wants to introduce you to the greatest movement that you have ever experienced in your entire life. And it starts with you right now, in this moment where you're at. Jonah was called upon God by God to reach a city called Nineveh that was in sin. He chose to pursue his own route and do his own thing. A storm came and caused him to be thrown overboard. A well swallowed him up, and in chapter 2, he calls it the belly of hell. I wonder how many people in isolation has considered their isolation just the belly of hell. He was in isolation, and I'm sure we can relate with how he frames the isolation. But in chapter 2 and verse number 9, at the end of his isolation, he said, salvation is of the Lord. He got a revelation in isolation. He came to the understanding that the government can't save you. Your job can't save you. Your money can't save you. The only hope that we have in this world is Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will last forever. Only what you do for Christ will last. My last illustration tonight is of John the Baptist. He was a man who dressed different and ate different. We are a people who dress different and have different appetites than the world has. John the Baptist when asked who he was simply stated, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He wasn't looking to get praise of recognition from people. His only desire was to be a mouthpiece for God to speak through. Our lives should be a vessel that God can use at any moment to reach our family, friends, and coworkers. John wasn't worried about how he looked. He came to a decision that he wanted to be a part of the movement of the gospel. He then said, I am not worthy to touch his shoes. We as the church must have that desire to be a vessel for God to use, to humble ourselves before him and say, God, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use this vessel. John the Baptist isolated himself and had church in the wilderness. When you are a part of a real thing, people will want to experience it for themselves. We need to buy into this movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ and win our city for the name of Jesus Christ. I'm finished with my message tonight, but I just feel that God wants to make your home a place of worship right now. I wonder right now if you could just begin to cry out to God, begin to lift your voices and say, God, I want to be a part of this movement. I want my life to be a vessel that you can use wherever I'm at, God. If I'm at work, if I'm at my car, if I'm at home, God, I want to be a vessel that you can use for your glory. God, I don't care how I look. I want to be a vessel for your glory. Whatever I have.
Jesus Christ. 